And there's a warning here that is very important for us today. And that is, Jesus is warning us about the danger of an empty profession. In other words, saying yes to God is of no value if you do not do what he says. This is Open the Bible Weekend with Pastor Colin Smith. And Colin, unfortunately, I think we might be talking about a lot of people here who have made some sort of profession of faith, said, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but their walk does not match their talk. Yeah, and Jesus told a story specifically about this, uh, a man who has two sons. This isn't the prodigal son. Everyone knows that story. This is a different story. Jesus says, a man has two sons. One says, I'll do a work in your field, and then he doesn't do it. The other says, I won't work in your field, and then he does do it. And Jesus says, well, now which one did the will of the Father? Well, he's drawing attention to the fact it's one thing to talk. It's another thing to actually walk the walk and, and do the work and to follow the commands of Christ. You know, as someone continues to listen to this message today, they may recognize a little bit of that in themselves. And for the person who says, okay, that is me. I've made the profession, but my walk does not match my talk. Then what? That's where the call to repentance comes in. And this uh, whole series that we're uh, airing on the program just now is about repentance, which is the hidden path to a transformed life. And at its heart, uh, repentance is about turning from all that we know that is wrong and offering all that we can of ourselves to all that we know of Christ. And that's an ongoing process in the Christian life. And simply to talk and not to be pursuing that path is what the Bible would call hypocrisy. That's not where anyone wants to be. You do not want to stand before God and to know that you have been a hypocrite. So if you are in the place of professing faith but not following hard after Jesus Christ, then today God calls you to repent. He invites you to follow him in a new way. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he makes that possible. So, Steve, we're talking about the very heart of the gospel here, and it's of huge importance. Well, we're going to continue to look at that in the book of Matthew, chapter 21, as we begin the message, Finding the Hidden Path to a Transformed Life. We're going to look today at the teaching of Jesus about repentance, learning not only what it is, but also how you can pursue it. And uh, I hope that this series, perhaps above everything else, has been helpful in enabling us to see that repentance is something positive that we would desire and even that we would pursue. It is the hidden path to a transformed life. It is a very wonderful thing. It is indeed one of the blessings that is promised by the gospel. Indeed, uh, Peter the Apostle speaks in the book of Acts about repentance as a gift, something to be celebrated. Acts chapter 5 and verse 31, he says, Jesus is exalted that he might give repentance to Israel. It's a wonderful thing. And in Acts in chapter 11 and verse 18, where Peter reports what happened in the house of Cornelius, those who heard it responded with great joy, and they said, well, God has granted repentance uh, even to the Gentiles. So, repentance is always something positive in the New Testament. It is therefore something to be desired, something to be sought, and something to be pursued, the hidden path to a transformed life that is found in Jesus Christ. Now, I think this is very important because many of us instinctively think of repentance in purely negative terms, like 
driving school, you know? You get a ticket for speeding, and uh, then you go to driving school as a kind of penance. You sit there for four hours thinking that you can hardly afford this time and how humiliating it all is, and driving school is something that you would desperately want to avoid. Nobody in their right mind actually wants to go, but it is something you have to do as a kind of discipline if you have broken the law and you've been caught, and it's intended to kind of sober you up by focusing you on the fact you really have done wrong, and by taking it in with some degree of inconvenience and embarrassment, hopefully you're going to improve and learn your lesson and not do the same thing again. I well remember Memorial Day a couple of years ago, beautiful day, blistering hot, and our family enjoyed a delightful time together, except for our younger son, David, who uh, said that he needed to earn some money and uh, so went to work landscaping on this blistering hot day for someone who had hired him. He was off early in the morning, didn't come back until seven in the evening, and I could tell as he walked in that all was not well. How was your day, I said not good. I got a ticket on the way home. He had worked all day and earned $100 and got fined 110 driving back home. And he said, and now, Dad, I've got to do a half day at driving school, and that'll cost me another half day of work. He was really miserable. By the way, if you're wondering how I know so much about driving school, it is because I, too, have been there. And... Uh, <laughs> It really is miserable. You're with a group of people, none of whom want to uh, be there, all kind of shuffling into the room, trying not to be noticed, and I was certainly in that mode. And halfway through the morning when we got to the uh, coffee break, sure enough it happened, a lady came straight across the room right to me, you're Pastor Colin, aren't you? I didn't expect to see you here. Driving school is penance. It is a miserable business. It is a way of making sure that you know that you have done wrong, and the sheer misery of it hopefully will restrain you from driving too fast in the future. Now, repentance obviously is something entirely different, right? If it is something positive and to be pursued, if it is something over which there is joy in heaven and therefore there must be joy for you, it obviously is something completely different. And if you've got these two things confused, you'll never understand the meaning of repentance in the Bible. We've been learning that it's a wonderful thing. In J.I. Packer's words, it is turning from as much as you know of your sin to give as much as you know of yourself to as much as you know of your God. It is a lifelong process of change from the inside out by which you are moved from one degree of glory to another, increasingly conformed to the likeness of Christ. That is why there is joy in it for heaven, and therefore there is joy in it for you. So I hope that we're beginning to frame a whole different view of repentance, a gift to be desired, and a path to be pursued. Now, today we're going to look at the teaching of Jesus together with regards to this great subject. Our Lord, as you know, taught many things in parables, stories that uh, gave shafts of light for those who had eyes to see. And uh, one of the parables of Jesus was given very specifically to teach us about this business of repentance. 
and you find it in Matthew chapter 21 and beginning at verse 28. Notice that in the NIV, it is called the parable of the two sons. Now, Jesus, of course, told two different stories about two sons. And uh, the better-known story is the parable of the prodigal son, which was read for us from Luke chapter 15, and we will touch on that a little later this morning. But we start with this story in Matthew and chapter 21, where Jesus speaks specifically about repentance. Hope you have it open in front of you. What do you think, Jesus says? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind. Now, literally the word there is repented. Later he repented. He changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. And he answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Now, Jesus asks, verse 31, which of the two did what his father wanted? The first they answered. And Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, the tax collectors and the prostitutes, that is, people who would be perceived to be miles away from God and the things of God, these people are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you, Jesus says, for John came to you to show you the way of righteousness and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. So, this is clearly a story, a parable of Jesus dedicated to explaining the subject of repentance. He's telling us what it is, and He is telling us how it happens. Now, let's begin with the second son, verse 30. The father says to him, go and work in my vineyard. And uh, the second son says, I will, sir. Now, this is impressive. The boy's response is immediate and positive. I will. And uh, notice how polite he is. He even calls his father, sir. Yes, sir. I will go and work in your vineyard. Now, I think anyone who saw this clean-cut lad would have been very impressed with him. He's the sort of boy about whom old ladies would say, oh, he's such a nice lad, such a good boy. He respects his father. He's always willing to help and to work. Any father would be proud to have a son like that. Go work in my vineyard. I will, sir. But now Jesus punctures the balloon in five simple words. But he did not go. He didn't go. The second son said he would go. He intended to go, but he did not go. You're listening to Open the Bible Weekend with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Finding the Hidden Path to a Transformed Life, part of our series, Repentance. And if you miss any broadcast in the series, come and listen online. Our website is openthebible.org, or you can listen through the app, 
The app is free. You'll find it at your app store. Simply look for Open the Bible, and you can listen to both this weekend program as well as our daily broadcast. Again, the website address is openthebible.org, or look for the app at your app store. You know, when we think about the upcoming Easter season, many of us will stop and think about the six hours that changed the world, the time that Jesus hung on the cross. And the Bible tells us that that's a way that God demonstrates his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans 5, 8. But here's the problem. A lot of people who believe that Jesus died and rose don't feel that God loves them. You know about the cross. You know that Jesus suffered and he died there. And he did that for you, but that doesn't feel like love. Well, Pastor Cullen has addressed this in his book, Six Hours That Changed the World. And we'd love to send you a copy as our way of saying thank you for your financial support this month. You can find out more or give online when you come to our website, openthebible.org. Or call us at 1-877-OPEN-365. That's 1-877-673-6365. Or again, the website is openthebible.org. If you joined us late, we're in the book of Matthew, chapter 21. So grab a Bible and meet us there as we get back to the message. Here is Pastor Colin. The second son said he would go. He intended to go, but he did not go. And there's a warning here that is very important for us today, and that is Jesus is warning us about the danger of an empty profession. In other words, saying yes to God is of no value if you do not do what He says. That's the point that Jesus is making in this parable. What this lad said was great, it was very impressive, but what he did did not match the profession that he made. And uh, Jesus' question is quite devastating here, which son did what the father wanted, and uh, obviously it was not the second son. Jesus is making the point that what matters is not so much what you say, but what matters is what you do. Now, this is a consistent theme in the teaching of the Lord Jesus in the Gospels. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21, it's at its clearest. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. You know, the interesting thing is that that word, Lord, Lord, it's sir, sir. It's the same word as is used in the parable here, kurie. Not everyone who says to me, sir, sir, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So entrance into heaven isn't a matter of simply saying that you're going to follow the Lord's way, it it is a matter of actually following the Lord's way. That is what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. In other words, the Bible gives no assurance whatsoever for a person who professes faith but does not follow the will of the Father. The Bible gives no assurance to the second son who says, I will serve to God but does not follow through on what he has said. In other words, you cannot be saved by empty words or by good intentions. The second son said he would go. No doubt he intended to go, but he did not go. He did not do what the father wanted. Now, what we're learning here is very important, and it's especially important in evangelicalism today. 
If you profess faith, but knowingly continue in sin, you have no reason to believe that you are a true Christian. You are in the same position as the second son, who said, I will, sir, but did not do what his father wanted. And the teaching of Jesus is very clear here and throughout the Gospels, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 particularly, saying yes to God is of no value if it does not lead you to do what He commands. Not everyone who says to me, sir, sir, I will, sir, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, the Bible speaks very clearly by way of warning to the person, usually the religious person who professes faith, you know, who made a decision, who went forward at a meeting, who uh, was part of a youth group, who reckons him or herself to be a Christian, but really continues in sin. And what the Bible says to such a person is simply this, if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. Romans chapter 8 and verse 13. Where did we get the idea that if you say yes to Jesus, you are eternally secure even though you show no evidence of pursuing a life that is pleasing to God? You certainly do not find that anywhere in the Bible. The mark of a true Christian in the Scripture is that he or she walks in repentance and in faith. That's a growing thing. It's never perfectly nor completely done. By the very nature of the fact that it's progressive, it's never complete. It's not that we see everything, but that we're on the path of turning from as much as we know of sin to give as much as we know of self to as much as we know of God. Now, that's authentic Christianity, and it's been cheapened in our time to the point where many people think that if you put up your hand and have said a prayer, if you say, I will, sir, that that's all that it is, which is patently unbiblical and clearly so in the teaching of Jesus himself. So there is a warning here that we need to hear, lest there be church folks who complacently assume that all is well, when in fact there is no evidence for thinking that all is well. I was uh, 17 years old when I sat in a convention in England listening to Dr. Alan Redpath, preached powerfully. Now, I still remember the impact of what he said. If you have an unchanged life, you have an unsaved soul, period. And I remember thinking as a 17-year-old, so this is not just words, it's serious. It really is about doing the will of the Father. Where in the Bible do we find the idea that a man can be saved without it making any difference to his life? It is not there. It's not the gospel. Gospels well expressed right throughout the whole Scripture. Let me give it to you from Isaiah the prophet, chapter 55 and verses 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. 
Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. You see that? Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. There's a forsaking, a leaving, a decisive turning. And in this way, we turn to the Lord who will have mercy upon us. In other words, Isaiah is saying, the whole gospel is saying, that if we are going to turn to the Lord, what that means is that we have to forsake wickedness. If we are going to receive mercy, then we have to turn from evil thoughts. You cannot pursue evil thoughts and turn to the Lord at the same time. You cannot hold what God calls wicked and receive mercy at the same time. God has never promised to forgive one sin that you are not willing to forsake. You say, well, I can think of some sins I've fallen into many times. Yeah, well, are you willing to forsake it now? Are you in the spirit that says, Lord, have mercy upon me and create in me a clean heart? Or are you one who comes and says, forgive me, forgive me, and uh, I have every intention of doing it again? Let the wicked forsake his way. Do you feel the power of that word, forsake? And the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and have mercy upon him. I've got to forsake this unbelieving. And turn to the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. Now, there's a warning here, isn't there? There's a warning that comes from the second son. A warning about the central importance of repentance in the Christian life. A warning that what Jesus is about is not the business of words only, but of changing our lives. That's what the gospel is. A great reminder and warning from Pastor Colin Smith here on Open the Bible Weekend. Our message is called Finding the Hidden Path to a Transformed Life. It's part of a series called Repentance. And if you missed any previous broadcast in the series, I want you to know you can come to our website, you can listen online, come to openthebible.org, and you can stream the program or download an MP3 for free. You can also listen if you have the Open the Bible app. That's free. You'll find it at your app store. Simply look for Open the Bible. And that's a great way to connect with Pastor Collins teaching whatever it fits your schedule. Well, Open the Bible is listener supported. We depend on your generosity to keep Pastor Collins teaching on this station. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to say thank you by sending you Pastor Collins' brand new book. It is called Six Hours That Changed the World. And Colin, for the person who reads this book, what are you hoping that they'll get out of it? Oh, well, I think the first thing is to see at a deeper level just how much God really loves you. I mean, the Bible makes this very, very clear. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's what this book is about. Six hours that changed the world are the six hours that Jesus suffered hanging on the cross, and it explains what he accomplished there for us. And, you know, here's the problem. 
There are many people who believe that Jesus died and rose, but they don't really feel that God loves them. And maybe you can relate to that. You you know about the cross, you know that Jesus suffered and that he died, but it's not very obvious to you how this is love. I mean, how is this God really loving me? Well, I want you to see the love of Christ in the cross and to see that this love really is for you. For you to be able to say, no one has ever loved me like this, and no one ever will love me like this. Jesus loves me, and in the cross, I see the full extent of God's love. Well, Pastor Collins' newest book is called Six Hours That Changed the World. It is our thank you gift to you as you financially support Open the Bible this month. You can call us at 877-OPEN-365. That's 1-877-673-6365. Or you can find out more or give online. Our website is openthebible.org. That's openthebible.org. Well, thanks for listening today. For Pastor Colin Smith, I'm Steve Hiller. I hope you'll join us next time. Open the Bible Weekend is a listener-supported production of Open the Bible. How can a person who's on the wrong track change? Well, there's a biblical word for that. It's called repentance. Find out more next time on Open the Bible Weekend.